At this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss all of the youth group and uh, elementary kids to their classes. Uh, um, a little over uh, two months ago, my wife, Sarah, and I jumped on a plane with a few others from Wellspring and headed to Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And having traveled to several other um, underdeveloped countries before, I thought I had a pretty good idea of what to expect when arriving in Haiti. And it turns out I had no idea what to expect. Um, I immediately, literally within probably two minutes of leaving the airport, I was strongly convicted of my selfish desire and a pursuit of the American dream. Um, I was convicted of just the desire within my heart to build my own empire here at home and constantly accumulate wealth. And I was stripped of the belief that I somehow had great physical and spiritual goods to offer the Haitians. And I realized that they actually had quite a bit to offer me. And as we spent time every day uh, playing with many of the children in the orphanages, the gap between us and them kind of started to diminish. Um, I realized that I had far more in common with these children than I ever could have imagined. I realized that their joy actually comes from trusting in God's provision, while my joy often comes from whether or not my circumstances are going as well as I would like them to. And I realized, too, that I was once a spiritual orphan desperately in need of a Heavenly Father. And so today, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off. Last week, we guys, you guys heard from Stacy and Sam. And we're going to start just about a four-week sermon series on God's heart for orphans, God's heart for the fatherless, and what our duty and responsibility is, both as individuals and as a church, to love and care for them. But before we get started, I'm curious, because I know we got some intelligent people here to begin this conversation with orphan care, what passage do you think we're going to start with? This is kind of like the poster verse for all things related to caring for orphans. Any idea what passage we're going to start with? Bueller? James one twenty seven. yes, I think we got a picture up here. A quick Google search, this verse will come up with thousands of photos. Here it is with a map of the world, Re- uh, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think we got another one too. Here it is again. You got a, you know, a picture of the verse with the continent of the African continent in it um, in the background. And so since this is kind of literally the go-to verse around the world for anything related to orphan care, it only seemed appropriate that we would start here. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to James one twenty-seven. It should be page 847 if you're using a pew Bible. James chapter 1, verse 27. It says this. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
pure and faultless. Now, obviously, this passage mentions both orphans and widows, but for our purposes, we're going to focus specifically on orphans. And orphans are often regarded as the most vulnerable group of people in a city or within a society. Many times they're helpless. They're, you know, they're young, they can't work, and they're unable to defend for themselves. And their welfare is usually dependent on an adult or someone else caring and providing for them. And in this passage, James is saying that looking after orphans is pure and faultless because it's free of anything immoral. It's free of one seeking some type of material gain or material wealth. <clears throat> and the truth is, if someone is trying to accumulate wealth or you know, success, we usually turn to people with power, with money, with, with prestige. We don't usually turn to young children who are unable to defend, them, uh, defend themselves. And so well, the question we're going to wrestle with is, what does it mean to look after orphans? What does it mean to actually look after orphans? And it basically means the same thing as when we might say that a mother stays home and looks after her children. She stays home to provide for them and care for them and attend to their specific needs. And more practically, it means to feed them, to literally provide a meal for them, to encourage them, to love them, to help them with their homework, to clean up a scraped knee, to tell them that they're valuable to God. And this is an amazing description that uh, Tate Williams from the Global Orphan Project, he shared here last summer. He said, it means being a champion to a child who doesn't have a, who doesn't have a champion in their life. You don't have to be a physical orphan. There's a lot of orphans in this city, people who don't have a champion in their life. Someone rooting them on and cheering for them and being their support system. And while most of us would probably agree, yeah, this sounds great. This seems to be like the way of Jesus to love these, you know, children that can't defend for themselves. But there's also, there's usually a pretty big, at least for me, disconnect between my head and my heart. It's one thing to have knowledge of this. Yeah, this is the way of Jesus, you know, love these innocent, vulnerable kids. It's another thing for our hearts to be ripped apart for the weak and the marginalized. That's going to lead us to action. And so we're going to put some, uh, um, some scripture passages up here in a minute. And rather than me just standing up here teaching you guys a bunch, I want you to give you guys a minute or two to, to see for yourself what God's heart is for orphans um, and what our responsibility is if we're to be like him. So take a minute or two and um, um, just reflect on these and we'll have a short discussion on what God's heart is for orphans. Okay, let's hear from you guys. So what can we conclude is true about God's heart for orphans? how he feels about and responds to them. What can we conclude is true? The floor is open. Yes, Renee. Yeah, God sees their trouble and knows that they need help. Yes, what else? Gary. Yeah, yeah, he defends them and comes to their aid in ways to help keep them and protect them, keep them safe. Maybe one more?
That's where we're going. Thank you. Yes, God's will is that we will join him in participating in his work, in defending them and caring for them. Excellent. Okay, uh, before we move forward anymore, I kind of want to redefine the term orphan a little bit for us. Uh, before we move forward, this past Easter Sunday, Pastor Bob says this. He said, we're all born spiritual orphans. We might have earthly parents that gave birth to us, but we were born with a sinful heart, and we were created by God who is absolutely perfect, holy, and righteous. We were born estranged from our Heavenly Father because there's a gap between our sinfulness and His holiness that had to be bridged somehow in order to have a relationship with Him. And God bridged that gap by sending His Son, who humbled Himself, took on flesh and blood, and laid down His life for ours so that we can be reconciled to Him. And Psalm 51 says that we were sinful from birth. It uses the terminology, we were sinful from literally the second our mother conceived us. We were born sinful, with hearts far from God, lost, without a spiritual father. But we have a heavenly father who radically (laughs) pursues us and wants us to be adopted into his family, but he gives us that choice. So we're all born spiritual orphans. And we all fall under the orphan umbrella. So I want to make that clear before we move forward that um, we have far more in common with orphans than probably what we're aware of. There are some of us, maybe here, maybe around us, that are born you know, physical orphans without parents or guardians, but we're all born spiritual orphans. And last week, um, you guys had the opportunity to listen to Stacy Kearns and Sam Donahue share stories about how God is moving in this neighborhood, specifically at the guest house. And I was actually in Boston with Bob. I was listening to it while we were boarding a plane, and I just started to laugh because I recalled a story of a kid that tried to pick a fight with me about a month or two ago. I was up at the guest house, and Sarah and I were up there on a Friday night, and I had never even met this kid. I still don't even know his name. And we were eating dinner in, um, in the dining room there, and Sarah was sitting right next to me, and this kid was right here, and it was a full house. And this kid just looked at me and goes, Hey, man, so are you married? I was like, yeah, I am. This is, this is my wife right here. And he looked at Sarah and said, why would you marry this guy? He has a big nose, and he's really ugly. And I said, it's nice to meet you too, little man. It's nice to meet you too. And so this kid drops a bomb right in front of my wife. And if you've never had a fifth grader humiliate you like that, it really messes with your pride. So I'm currently in um, uh, therapy sessions trying to recover from his, his words. So... As I was writing the sermon, like, I couldn't help but think, like, man, I'm just like that kid. I'm just like him way more than I'm aware of. I need a heavenly father just like he needs one. And I want so bad to belong to a family, physically and spiritually, just like he wants to, whether he's even aware of it or not. Author Johnny Carr, in his book Orphan Justice, wrote this. Jesus spent the majority of his time with people who were rough around the edges. The sick, the outcast, the poor, the underachievers, the prostitutes, and the gamblers. He made it very clear that healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. If we desire to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just build big buildings and sing about how good and faithful God is, we cannot dismiss the difficult kids. We must embrace the children and adolescents who try to buck the system, break all the rules, and act out to get attention. And if we fail to welcome and love these children as Jesus would, then we completely miss God's heart. How can we sponsor a child in Africa 
yet turn away vulnerable children in our own communities. Um, Go ahead and open up your Bibles to um, one more passage here. Turn to Matthew 25. Should be page 695 in your pew Bible. Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. Verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And I found it interesting that when I looked up the original Greek word that are used for least of these, one of my dictionaries said that it meant Small in outward or physical size. I thought that was fascinating. Small in outward or physical size. That's a pretty accurate description of a child. And I think we can all think about or visualize a child that we've known who was hungry and needed a meal, and who was thirsty and needed something to drink, or who needed to be clothed, or who was sick and needed to be cared for. And I think it's interesting, Jesus could have said all kinds of things to the righteous people who followed his will here. He could have said, you know what, you guys did an amazing job showing love to a sinful world when you cared for the vulnerable. He could have said, you guys made me smile real big when you cared for these, you know, marginalized children. But he didn't say any of those things. He said, whatever you did for one of these, you did for me. And this is the point. Essentially, he's saying... I am them. I am them. When you care for one of these little ones, you're actually caring for me. I am them. 
And when I was in Haiti, one of the orphanages we went to was the most desolate place I've ever been to in my life. Um, It was called uh, the town of Desiree. And I ran into a girl there that just stole my heart. I think we have a picture of her. And she got so close to my camera, and uh, her name's Darlene. Isn't she a little doll? And this girl captured my heart. And I remember going to our hotel that night, and I sat down in my chair. I don't know what Bob was doing. I sat down in my chair, and I got my picture out, and I just stared at this girl for probably five or ten minutes. And literally, as I just looked into her eyes, it was as if I were looking into the eyes of Jesus. And I just started to cry (laughs) and be so overwhelmed with emotion And I just prayed, God, just show Darlene how much you love her. She couldn't speak very good English. I tried to communicate. Didn't really go very well or very far. I don't know if she has parents or maybe people that are just unable to provide for her. But I just said, let her know how much she's loved. Do we see Jesus in the little ones around us? Do we see him in the little ones around us? Do we know that when we serve love and spend time with the little ones we're actually serving loving and spending time with Jesus and last week you guys heard all kinds of stories that were very impactful of how God's moving in this neighborhood specifically through the guest house stories of kids that need to be loved stories of really hurting kids you know this is something if you come to Wellspring at all it's that we're passionate about reaching out to the surrounding neighborhood and trying our best to love these kids And Sam shared stories of kids here that literally are hungry and need a meal. Kids that need to be taught that violence and fighting isn't the answer. They need an example of what it looks like to extend forgiveness to someone rather than throw punches. There are a lot of hurting children in this three or four block radius if you weren't weren't aware of it. And they need real life examples of what it looks like to follow God. And when you consider all that God has to say about caring for fatherless children, it's really honestly affected the way that Sarah and I view things. As we're having discussions about starting a family, we're trying to consider and be open to the possibility that maybe God wants us to adopt a child into our family here in the near future, and would we be open to that? It's caused me to think about how I spend my money. There's a lot of things that I could really blow it on. A bigger TV, that was a conversation I had a couple weeks ago with my wife. And she's like, no, nah, we're good. I could buy a better, a bigger, better house, a better car. I just don't think that's probably the stuff that's really heavy on God's heart, though. It's caused me to think about how we spend our time together right now as a married couple without children currently. Do we spend all of our free time in the comfort of our own home? That's certainly the easy thing to do and very comfortable. Or is God calling us out a little more to spend more time maybe at the guest house or doing more at Edison or with other kids in this neighborhood or city? And the truth is that regardless of how I feel or how I want to respond or how this pushes against my selfishness, God's heart for orphans is evident throughout Scripture. There's no way of getting around it. Those five verses were just a small portion of what Scripture has to say about God's heart to care and love orphans. And so, as we close today, we have the opportunity to take uh, communion together. And I'm going to give you guys just a couple minutes of silence to reflect on some of this material. And for some of you, um, I want you to use this time to remember that you were once a spiritual orphan. We often forget that, that you were once a spiritual orphan 
lost, and your heart was far from God, and he adopted you into his family. And maybe you're here today, you're not even sure if you're a part of God's family. But you're curious, and you'd like to be adopted into that family, and I can assure you his arms are so open, and he just wants you to run into him. He doesn't care where you've been or what you've done. So if you're in that category, I'd love to talk with you after church if you want someone to talk to or someone up here that's going to serve communion or someone that maybe you came with today. So I'm going to pray for us, and then after a couple minutes of silence, um, the ushers will dismiss you. You can come forward and um, take the bread and then dip it in the cup. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your truth, God, and your heart for the fatherless, both physically and spiritually, God. God, I pray that you would break our hearts, God, for the things that break yours, Jesus. And we know one of them is fatherless children. God, it's so easy, speaking for myself, to be lazy and just pursue a life of security and comfort, God. But we know you're constantly pushing us out, God, beyond what we think is possible, pushing us out of our comfort zones to get up off the couch and to serve people, God, and and to pass on just the many blessings you've given us. God, so I pray that we would use this time to reflect on how we've been adopted into your family, God, and use this time to just reflect if maybe someone's not there, um, just to listen to your voice and to the invitation that you're giving them to be a part of their family and be your son and your daughter.